0: You're listening to Parkway's podcast. I'm going to just share this morning on the church, a chosen people, and our scripture verse that we're going to be going in and out of uh, for the next uh, couple of weeks. Well, we'll take a break for Easter, but it's 1 Peter 2.9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into His wonderful light, and again, we're going to be camping around that. Uh, and as we unpack it, I know it's going to encourage you, fire you up, and sharpen your focus. But I like how the message phrases it, so I just want to read it one more time for the sake of freshness. Sometimes when we hear something in one translation uh, so many times, it kind of goes, you know, in one ear and out the other. So let me read it in the message. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he's made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And so this morning I just want to look at that very first phrase you are a chosen uh, people or the ones chosen by God. I want you to know that the church is made up exclusively of people that have been handpicked and chosen by God for God. I also want to let you know, I saw an awesome video this week, and it was a pastor who, when he, he travels internationally, and he said that he got tired of just telling people the same thing. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor of a local church. So he thought he'd change it up, and, and uh, someone asked him, what do you do for a living? And he goes, well, he goes, I'm, I'm part of a, a, you know, international conglomerate. And the person said, well, what, what does your conglomerate do? He goes, man... He goes, we feed the hungry, we clothe the poor, we take kids, we rescue kids out of slavery. He goes, we build homes. We, and he just went on and on and on. And she goes, what kind of an organization is that? He said, the church. And it's absolutely true. We are part of something that is so much bigger than us. We are part of something that has, is just, every day is spreading across this planet I was watching uh, uh, Living Word or whatever it's called out of Toronto last night with Charles uh, Price. And he was saying that the latest estimates in communist China are 80 to 100 million born-again believers in China. And so the Church of Jesus is an amazing thing. And you and I are part of that church. But we're not in a relationship with Jesus or with one another by chance, by accident or fate. You were handpicked by God, and that's exciting. And before we move on and discover in the next few weeks what we were handpicked for, we're gonna break out what it means to be a royal priest, a holy nation, or a holy people. But you were handpicked by God, And it's no accident that you are here today. Romans 5.10 tells us this. For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reconciliation I just want to start on that phrase it says for while we were enemies with God and I know some of you are thinking I I don't think I ever was an enemy with God even before I came to faith in Jesus I never felt that hostile towards him I never you know cursed him or I'm sure I wasn't living for him I I certainly wasn't striving to know him I I, I wasn't you know born again but I wouldn't call myself an enemy of God let me qualify that this morning the scripture isn't talking about our view of God. It's actually talking about God's view of us. God sees us. Uh, God regards us as enemies before we come to Jesus Christ. Listen to what Psalm 5.4 says. It says, "'You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. "'With you the wicked cannot dwell.'" The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. How many of you would say, uh, okay, well, that's fair. Uh, the Bible says that before Jesus, even the best things we can do are considered wrong, right? That's why we need a Savior, right? And the Bible says that God can't dwell amongst those who do wrong. Now, some of you more astute, you know, Bible scholars are going to go, ah, it's the Old Testament. That's before Matthew. It's after Malachi. So we're in the age of grace. Well, let, let me say this. Romans 1.18, five books past, sorry, six books past Matthew. Depends how you look at it, I guess. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Romans 5.2, the stubborn, unrepentant heart, listen to this, is actually storing. The word actually means to heap into a pile Wrath against themselves for the day of wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed Someone said to me last year They came to me and they said do you you i've been reading the bible they're they're new to the faith They said i've been reading the bible And they said jesus talks an awful lot about hell I said yeah, and they said so do we believe in hell I said yeah And they said, so who do we believe according to the Bible goes there? I said, everybody without Christ. And the person said to me, that's a lot of people. And then they said to me, this is why you at Parkway Church take this so seriously. The Bible says, this side of the cross, that the unrepentant heart is heaping up wrath for themselves for the day of judgment. So, we are enemies of God because God is still righteous. He is still holy and a perfect judge who judges all things according to his perfect standards. That is never and will never change because God does not change. Now, that's, that's the bad news. But here's the good news. While we were still enemies with God, we were reconciled to him through the death of Jesus. The word gospel, we looked at it last week, go and preach the gospel. That word gospel simply means good news, the good news is that Jesus has made a way for our position and our standing before God to be absolutely altered and changed. It's the word reconciled. That word reconciled in the Greek language is a little stronger than our use in English. It means to change from one thing to another, a complete exchange. It was actually a term that was originally used for exchanging money. They would take, you know, uh, uh, one currency. And completely change it into another currency you know it'd be like taking your Canadian dollar exchanging it for American dollars it be one thing becomes another so that it can fulfill a specific purpose and yet by the time the New Testament was written it always applied to people going from one state to a completely different state so what what this is saying is that through the death of Jesus God offers reconciliation God offers to change his hostility into peace and then our official status has changed enemy to friend at war and under wrath to being at peace and receiving unconditional love that's the good news amen and the mechanism that allows God to remain holy and just to reconcile sinners who deserve sentencing and wrath is the death of Jesus Christ God's own son a very popular phrase in the New Testament is the term through Jesus you can find it all the way uh, in the New Testament letters. A very popular phrase. Here's a few examples. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access into this grace in which we now stand. Are you starting to see how important Jesus really is? Amen? Amen. Once, Colossians 1.21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by or through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is what? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's bring it home. And if you have a red letter Bible, you'll find this in red letters because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Reconciliation, having a state of change from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God, to being under his wrath, to being able to receive fully all the benefits of his love, all happens exclusively, Jesus said, through him. Through Jesus. Everything is offered through Jesus in his death on the cross and his resurrection. Jesus shed blood and death on Calvary accomplished something that nothing else could do. It allowed God to remain true to his character, his holiness, righteousness, and justice, and allowed God to extend mercy to sinners. Romans 3.25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, don't let the word atonement scare you. It simply means a sacrifice that satisfies another person, all right? So what did Jesus' death on the cross satisfy? His death on the cross was actually a cosmic event because it allowed not just people, but all of creation to be redeemed because sin affected this whole planet. So what did Jesus' death on the cross satisfy? First of all, the justice of God. There's a... If there's wrongdoing, justice means that that wrongdoing has to be atoned for. There has to be a penalty. And before we lay a heavy on God, that's just a universal principle that God has put in place. There, there, there's this need inside of the average person to see justice where justice is demanded, and if justice doesn't happen, there's a sense that this isn't right. There's a sense that we've been robbed of something. I've been following closely. Does this name mean anything to you, Robert Durst, right? I've been kind of loosely following this situation. You've got a billionaire real estate man who is uh, suspected of four murders, a couple of wives, a couple of neighbors, You know in fact he dismembered one neighbor and got away with it because they claim self-defense and and America especially is up in arms why because he's hidden behind his money his lawyers he was just about to flee the country and there's this sense where people go it's not right if he was as rich as any one of us or poor however you want to put it he would have already been in jail on death row but, but justice has eluded him because he's been able to play the system and play his money. And man, it, there's something in you that just goes, it's not right, right? When justice isn't served, it's actually a sin in itself. It's actually a sin. And God cannot sin And so when God looks down on this planet and sees us doing things that fall short of his perfect standard, harming one another, harming ourselves, blaspheming his name, bringing evil and destruction to the planet and to the people of this planet, it would be a sin for God not to go, that has to be dealt with, right? Come on, parents, it's true, right? And the cross of Jesus satisfied the justice of God because unmet justice is wrong god is the judge of the universe and so the sinless son of god jesus christ paid the debt for us on the cross he was punished and the sentence was served in our place and in jesus justice was served and justice was satisfied that's an amazing thing the second thing that the cross satisfies is the holiness of god that demands a blood sacrifice be made for every sinner, Hebrews 9:13 to 14 says, "The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them, so they're outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, through the eternal Spirit, uh, offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences?" from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God the Bible says that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin and the Bible says that blood is like is like a supernatural scrubbing brush that cleans us from our uncleanliness and the blood of Jesus accomplished that so Calvary the cross of Jesus that we're going to be looking at in a few weeks at Easter satisfied the justice of God uh, he became sin so that sin might die in him so that we can live to God the Father. Amen? And that the holiness of God remained intact and because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. So let's bring it home to you and I, and we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes. You ever seen the movie The Help? It was out a few years ago. It's a great movie, isn't it? And uh, at the very end of the movie, Abilene Clark, uh, the maid who has just been fired, bends down to speak to the little girl. Do you remember this? She bends down to speak to the little girl and she puts her hands on her shoulder and this is what she says. She says, remember how important you are. She said that to all of the children that she raised. Remember how important you are. And I just want to say this this morning. The cross of Jesus Christ is God bending down and looking each one of you in the eyes And through Jesus Christ saying, remember how important you are. Remember how important you are. Before we get in mind that God is an angry father and Jesus is the one who has to appease him, let me say this. It is God, through Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. God is saying, Do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much I love you? I did not spare my own son so I could handpick you. That's how important we are to God. Even before Jesus, well, let, let me say this. Isaiah 53, I already read it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. You know, even before Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was beaten without mercy. If you've seen the passion, you kind of get an idea of, of what Jesus went through. And, and most of the accurate translations in Isaiah don't just say it was God's will. Because how many of you, have you ever done something that you, you need to do it, but you, you know, you're like, okay, I'll do it, right? Isaiah says that it was God's good pleasure, to crush Jesus, to bruise him, to put our sicknesses on him. It, it, it gets the sense that it was God's good pleasure and he anxiously awaited the moment when he could crush Jesus. Now, what is that all about? This is what it's all about. Why would God the Father be pleased? Because by crushing Jesus, God the Father could extend mercy. Mercy is us not getting the punishment we deserve. Mercy is made available because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God and the justice of God so we could receive, so we wouldn't receive what we deserved. Jesus took what we deserved when he was punished on the cross. Uh, the, The cross of Jesus allowed God to be gracious to us. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve and grace is us getting everything we don't deserve. And the cross accomplished both mercy and grace because justice and love were both being displayed on Calvary when Jesus hung on the cross. And so, you and I today, it pleased God the Father. He was anxiously waiting to crush his own son so you could receive mercy and not spend an eternity in hell away from him, but so that he could handpick you for this transformed, abundant life and to open up the doors of heaven for you and I. But he anxiously awaited to crush Jesus so that we could receive grace for our time of need, so that when you're sick, you could be healed. When you're lost, you could be saved. When you're despondent, you could find hope. When you have anxiety and fear, his joy and peace could fill your life all because of the cross of Jesus. Again, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning, but that's okay. You are a chosen person. Chosen. The Bible says no one comes to God unless the Father draws them. If the Holy Spirit didn't draw you and orchestrate the events of your life, you wouldn't be here this morning. You were hand-picked by God Almighty. I never got picked for sports in public school. The kid in the wheelchair got picked before me. It's a true story. (laughs) But I was chosen by God, handpicked by God. And when I was an enemy of God, when I was running from him as a rebellious teenager, he pursued me. That's how important I was to him, and he pursued me at the price of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, I wonder who I love enough that I would allow what was done to the Lord Jesus to be done to one of my children. Seth's not here this morning, so let's use him as an example. (laughs) Who do I care for enough (sighs) that if you came to me and said, you know what? I could be healed if your son took the flogging that Jesus took that's all it would take i could literally be set free from this disease if if you just let seth be scourged again think of the passion of christ i think to be perfectly honest with you my answer would be zero no one not a zippo i'm not i'm not sure i would do it for my wife i'm not sure i'd do it for any of my other kids i'm just being honest before you look at me as a big meanie, think about your own children. How many of you would allow your children to be stretched out and abused? Again, think you've seen the movie. To be abused like that so someone else, so I could be healed or set free. You'd come up with the same answer. No one. God the Father willingly And with pleasure, yielded his son, Jesus Christ, to that. Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Son, the Bible says, that even before the foundations of the earth were laid, because there's no passing of time with God, he knew what people would do. He knew where this planet would go. And the Bible says, before the foundations of the earth were laid, Jesus Christ was crucified. Jesus said, Father, I'll go. And the Father said, and I'll send you, and I'll let you go. So... God loved you and I so much, He not only let it happen, but they planned it, orchestrated all the details, and sent Jesus into the world to accomplish it. And it pleased the Lord to do it. He chose you and me at the cost of Jesus. He loves us that much. You were chosen by Him, handpicked by Him, and perfectly placed in this body by Him. Because He has a plan for your life, He has a plan for your eternity, but He has a plan for your life and as we enter into the easter season we can ask for the holy spirit to reveal to us the wonder and power and amazing love god has for us thank you father for giving us your son you know what i always think of when i think of good friday the cross i i think of jesus absolutely 100 percent, but i also think of the restraint of the father I wonder sometimes if God the Father was in heaven going just say the word son I know we planned this but just say the word son we got a bunch of angels here and you they're gonna whoop some you know some Roman and Jewish and that's what I would be saying as a father but actually we know we didn't because it says it was his will to crush Jesus 1 John 4, 9 and 10 this is how God showed his love among us He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. So now, church, when we declare, I am a chosen person, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you know God's kneeling down, looking you right eyeball to eyeball saying this is how important you are to me that's pretty important honestly when i when i read that at the end of the day doesn't care if it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks doesn't matter if people like me on facebook or defriend me it doesn't matter i'm important to him that's all that matters that's where my security is that's where my life is found that's where my all in all is found everyone else may reject me but through Jesus God said Jay you're important I love you maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord the only way to live a transformed life here on this earth is through Jesus Christ Jesus said I'm the way truth and the life no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. Those were Jesus' words. I would say this to both anyone in the room today that hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior and those that have accepted Christ as their Savior. We need to stop looking. If you're not a believer today, you need to stop looking at other systems of faith to try to bring you To that, from that place of being enemies with God to friends with God. Every other system of faith, what sets Christianity apart is every other system of faith is us just trying to do exactly that, trying to make ourselves good enough so that the the scales of justice will be tipped. But it's pretty hard when the Bible says that even the best things we do (laughs) are like unrighteous, filthy rags before God. But we don't need to do that because Jesus Christ paid the way but i want to say this to every person in this room that is a believer okay i would say this to every parent in the room that's raising children stop trying to find significance in other things parents stop raising our kids so that so, so so that they find significance in their circumstances Or in what they do. Or how good their grades are. Or their performance or in this or that. Stop, Stop building our kids up in the only way that they think that they're built up is because of the praise that we heap on them. Listen, the answer for, the, for, for our kids, the answer for our lives is to set all of that stuff aside and say, God kneeled down one day through the cross of Jesus, looked my child in the face and said, you are important to me because it cost my son his life. That is where we need to find our life. Most of my problems would be solved if I could just grip that reality. It's not my performance. It's not about what you think or approve of me. It's the fact that he handpicked me. I'm chosen by God, and God willingly and with pleasure watched Jesus suffer because he said, Jay, you're that important to me. If I can even grasp that a little bit, I'm going to tell you a lot of other things will become less important. Amen. Amen? It's truth this morning. This is true. Man, I would even listen to myself today. Wow. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I just appeal to you. Listen, the Savior suffered because you can't do it on your own. There was a father that didn't step in and just wipe everybody out that nailed his son to the cross because the Father knew that without that sacrifice, you couldn't be offered reconciliation with God today. So I'm just going to say a prayer and I'm just going to encourage you to say this prayer with me. Father, I realize, <clears throat> I realize that my status is an enemy before you today because of my sin and my wrongdoing, because you are a righteous judge but I also realize that you also desperately love me and that you're making an appeal through Jesus Christ today. You're saying I love you this much that we can change this status, that you, you're, you can go from being far from me to near to me. You can go from being an enemy to a child of God with all of the benefits that it means to be in the family. And I just receive what Jesus did on the cross for me today. Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have been so maybe not, I didn't know, but part of me was ignorant, thinking that somehow I'm going to stand before you on my own righteousness and say, this is good enough. I realize it's not. So thank you that you lived a perfect life. And when you died on the cross, you took all my imperfections and my sins on you. They were punished. And now I receive your perfection. Add that to my account so that I can know God as my personal friend. I pray this in Jesus' name. And may I live each and every day knowing that I was handpicked by you at a great cost. And that I need to just simply every day surrender my will to you and walk to please you each and every day. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray in these closing moments, just for those people that do know you, Jesus, 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 give us a vision of what your word stated this morning. I pray if, if, if we, even as believers, have been looking in other things to find uh, that only you can provide and supply. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us a vision of you, Father, kneeling down through Jesus, looking a square in the eyes and saying, the only thing that matters is you're important to me and I love you. And may your love set us free from all striving and trying. May your love set us free from everything except just receiving freely. What you have done. Lord, even when we fail and we blow it, we are still the righteousness of Christ because that's how powerful your love is. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. I am no more loved right now uh, than I w- will be tomorrow if I blow it big time. Thank you for a, an incredible, unconditional love that will never let me go. Thank you for that, Lord. And may our children come to know that love. May our spouses come to know that love. May the people we work with or go to school with come to know that love. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our message. If you'd like to learn more about Parkway Church, you can visit us online at parkway-church.com.